you missed 10 glorious minutes. I forgot to push the button. I'm not perfect. Where was I? Timothy. He's not saying Timothy being perfect. He's saying, Timothy, God called you. He set you apart to live a specific life. You have been chosen. You've been given a directive. You have a call of God on your life. And I want to say to each of you in this room this morning, you have been called. Settle it in your spirit. God has a purpose for you. You have been called. And when I come to a place of sweet humility, of submission, and I say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, then I've got to start to ask deeper, more next step questions, right? Now that should come from, uh, let's turn to Exodus chapter 3. i got to stick to my notes or I'm never going to get this done in time. Exodus chapter 3. I love this section because it, it's so informative, even though there's scary stuff. Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Moses is asking God to reveal himself, and he does. <clears throat> God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now, leave your finger there. We're going to come back there in just a second. So when you're asking yourself next step kind of questions about your calling and about what you should be doing in your life, and you're working with your perspective about that, you really should be able to ask yourself this question, whether it's, and I've had a wide variety of jobs. I've dug dishes, ditches for electricians. I've washed dishes. I have sold carpet and used tires. I have done a lot of corporate stuff. I've done a lot of different stuff professionally in my life. But in every one of those jobs, as strange as this might sound at first, I do need to ask myself when I go to this job and how I live everything else every 24 hours of the day, how I sleep, how I love my family, everything, am I loving God and loving people? And then my next question should be, if I have the image of God in me, What does that look like, and does this reflect that? When God reveals himself here, and he says his name, Yahweh, that name means, I am your creator, and I am your redeemer. I am your creator, and I am your redeemer. Okay? So, when I ask myself, my calling, this life that I am set apart to live, when I'm dealing with my fundamental perspective about my life and what it looks like, I should ask myself, does it reflect who God is? So for example, we heard Brian's story this morning, powerful, deep, so courageous of him to be so transparent this morning. Now with what he does to go into the prisons and walk through Celebrate Recovery, a 12-step Bible-based program in the prisons, 
that reflects a God who redeems. If, if we were to say, no, they were convicted of something, we're not going in there, then someday Jesus would say to us, I was in prison and you didn't come to visit me. Amen. Oh, speak the truth, preacher. Amen. Right? So when he does that, that is reflective of the image of God. And we have a variety of people in this church that on a regular basis care for children that are not biologically theirs, right? That is reflective of the kinsman redeemer part of God's identity. Thank you. Right? So when I... Are you with me? You. Everybody okay? I need to be asking myself this life I am called to from... What of God's identity am I deriving this? And don't get like, oh, this is like sacrilegious. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be God. No, 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 no. Come on, think. Come on. Engage your spirit. Open your Bible. Let's ask some questions. God created you in His image. He gave you identity. He gave you purpose. And He wired you for relationship. So when I love God and I love people, no matter if I'm changing a tire or if I'm sleeping, somewhere in there, there's redemptive purpose. Now, if I am doing something and I don't see redemptive purpose, one of two things needs to happen. My perspective needs to change or my activity needs to change. Thank you. you feel me? Yeah. Yes. Right? God even told them to rest. So let's go one more. Let's go another step deeper. Here's what, y'all remember um, last year when we were talking about faith. Uh, do I see what God sees? I agree with Him and I take action, right? So a part of what happens when God gives you your um, sense of identity, your sense of calling in this life, is because you rub up against brokenness, right? In your home, on the street, in your workplace. You rub up against brokenness and you see stuff that should not be. Now that might lead you in the prison, that might lead you far away, Rwanda, where, is that where you just were? Malawi, right? You've been to Rwanda, right? Right? That might lead you in your home, right? On your job. You see stuff that should not be. And it angers you. It maybe makes you feel hopeless. It, it makes you feel a sense of brokenness. Can you all look at me for just a second? I'm only guy like, okay, look at me. When I feel that anger, that brokenness, that pain, it is a form of worship. Because your spirit is agreeing with the spirit of God. Peter wrote, God is not willing that any should perish. So when I see something that's broken, systematic racism, economic problems, right? Educational inequality. Uh, my next door neighbor that is an alcoholic and just cannot get out of the house. Whatever, when I see something that is broken, when I see murder in the neighborhood, when I see uh, corruption in the political system, when, when, I, when I'm angry at those things, it can, if your heart is right, it can be a form of your worship. And then your question should be, Lord, how do you want me involved? Lord, where are you at work and how do you want me involved? Because the problem of the information age is that we're exposed to the whole world of problems and we can get so distracted that we can't do the one thing God gave us to do. Thank you. Thank you. 
So maybe it's time to put away some of the news and focus on the one thing you can do. Because here's what I have found. This sense of calling and what you're supposed to do in your life is a lot easier than we usually make it out to be. If it's complicated to you and it's confusing to you, that's normally a sign that you're overthinking it. Last week I said this, we will tend to overestimate what we will do in the short run and underestimate what we will do in the long run. And that's because we're more focused on us and what we can accomplish than God, His vision, and reaching for something that's bigger than what we're able to do on our own and also taking the small step of the one thing we can do. Oh, I don't want to do that small thing. Oh, we're about to go there. Hold on. I like this quote right here because I think this says it better than I can. Frederick Buechner said this, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. There is something, not all the things, but there, normally it's one thing. There is something that God has allowed you to rub up against that's broken, that's not the way that it should be. And the same God, when Jesus revealed himself as Messiah and he quoted Isaiah 61 and he talked about the poor and he talked about the broken, the redemptive God that created the world is at work in you and you can do something to make a difference. And it can be shoveling dirt. It can be something simple. But normally, it is where the brokenness matches up with your gladness. There's something that you were created to do. Let's, you kept your finger there in Exodus. Let's look at Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2. So Moses is, he's going back and forth with God. God's telling him what he should do and how he should go before Pharaoh and all these things that he should do. And Moses is trying to get his, get out of it, right? Anyone, does that sound familiar? Moses is trying to get out of it. And, um, he, Moses is saying, what if they ask me this? What if they ask me that? Then verse two, the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Now I want to walk us through uh, a lesson from that. Because, well, I think you'll, you'll start to get where I'm going. Oftentimes our mistake is that we're focused on the stuff that's a little ways out there in the middle instead of dreaming big and thinking small. Right? On the next step. So what I want to talk about this is the comparison between what's in your hand, like God asked Moses, what's in your hand? And right, God used that stick that he was carrying to do miracles, right? And I'm going to borrow as I do from time to time from somebody else who articulated this better than me. He's talking about the difference between what's in his hand and what's in his heart, okay? So I'm going to walk you through that. What's in your hand is what you are doing now. What's in your heart represents the dream for the future. Okay? What's in your hand is what you're doing now. And all of it, right? All of it. 
and what's in your heart is a hope for the future, a desire for the future, or maybe just brokenness where you want to see God make a change. So let me articulate this real quickly with a few different slides. What's in your hand involves pressure and discipline. You got to wake up in the morning. Whoa, did I lose you? Right? (laughs) Or you don't have to get up? Or you work nights? Okay, so what's in your hand involves discipline. And why am I talking about this? Because I've seen many times over believers sabotage their future by doing a bad job with what's in their hand. Or getting burnt out or frustrated or breaking their relationship with their God because of they don't like what's in their hand. What's in your hand involves pressure, discipline. What's in your heart is a dream. It's a romance. It's a romantic idea. It's a, and, and that God created that part of you. That's good. That's not bad. But this is how these two things are distinct. What's in your hand is now and familiar. What's in your heart is distant and mysterious. What's in your hand seems self-indulgent. What's in your heart seems noble and has a cause. Am I making sense? What's in your hand looks like you. Like who you really are, for real, real. Right? What's in your hand looks like you. What's in your heart looks like you want to look. Or like you think you look. Or like you hope to look. What's in your hand is obvious and natural. What's in your heart is eternal and has spiritual significance. We're trying to deal with perspective now based on a biblical foundation. What's in your hand can involve the weight of expectation. Other people have expectations of you. You're getting feedback, and if you're doing a good job, a bad job, they're what they expect you to do, right? What's in your hand can involve the weight of expectation. What's in your heart is often not yet carrying other people's expectations. What's in your hand is a calling. It's what you do. What's in your heart is purpose. It's what you love. So we can sabotage what's in our heart by undervaluing what's in our hand. And sometimes the things that we pray, there's there's two ways that we pray that are wrong. One is, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we hold up the thing that we really want, that perfect husband, right? that perfect job, that perfect car, that perfect title, record. I'm finally going to be Mr. So-and-so. We take the thing that we want and we hold it up before God like this and we go, God, is this what you want? Is this what you want? Is this what you want? (laughs) And we're kind of looking God's direction, but we're kind of mostly focused on the thing that we want. Maybe I'm the only one who's ever done that, right? And then the other thing that, that where we make a mistake in our prayer is, God, I want you to change that. I want you to change that in the name of Jesus. And sometimes God says, It's me! I brought it here! But God's wanting to use that difficulty. Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh and three times I asked God to remove it. And he... Oh no, he didn't. And so sometimes what God wants us to do... God, show me the whole journey! Why? Because we want to run! But God's not showing you the whole journey. He's showing you what is in the distant. He's given you hope, a vision in your heart. And He's shown you the next step. Why? That's jacked up. 
Right? Right? Because he wants you to be dependent upon him because it's about relationship, not the future. God is... He's in the now. He is the God that created dogs that live in the now. You know how dogs just live in the now, right? God's in your right now. He's got a hope for your future. What you find if you study the prophetic in Scripture is that prophets tend to see the tops of the mountain ranges or maybe a couple of valleys, but they don't see everything in between. They don't get the whole timeline. Okay? Right? And God will do that with you too. He will show you what's way off in the distance and He will show you the next step. Right? Because His Word is a light unto your feet. A lamp unto your path. It's about the relationship. God doesn't want you running off on your own because He knows you'd make a mess of it. So one of the most important things that I can say to you this morning, don't underestimate what's in your hand. Don't underestimate what's in your hand. What can we do right now? Number one, we can accept God's design. God created you with certain strengths and weaknesses. And I, I have respect for the word balance, and, but that gets overemphasized. God gave you certain strengths for a reason. Function in your strengths. What is it that comes natural to you? Educational technology devices comes natural to Joe. That's why he's doing it. He can work a touchscreen table better than the guys on Hawaii Five O. Right? Kelly is natural at being in a place of pressure in a hospital. And some days that's not fun. But she's good at it. Right? Daniel is good at studying architecture. Are you starting to get where I'm coming from? But what we need in whatever God has put in our hand, and it's not just what you do for a living, it's everything, right? Your home, your neighbors, all the opportunities that God has put in your here and now. We need to not underestimate those opportunities. Accept God's design. God made you a certain way for a reason. We need to start changing now. Most of us have a pretty clear idea, especially if we stop pen and paper, Bible, cup of coffee, 10 minutes, and just... Most of us know one thing that God wants us to change now. Can we? Can I just say multitasking is overrated? Just do the one thing. What's the one change the Holy Spirit is gently leading you towards? Gently, gently leading you towards. The one thing. Start changing now. Third, start serving now. God has called us to serve. Do you know Jesus served? Jesus is the first of all the religions, and even in the Old Testament, of all the Scripture, Jesus is the first servant leader. Serve. Are you serving? Hey, we, we keep a rotation, a schedule, a rotation of all the volunteers here because we don't want anybody to burn out. Right? 
We don't want anybody to burn out. We want everybody to just have joy and that nothing, no moving, folding a chair, that no, no physical action would get in your way of your relationship with Jesus. That's why we do that. But can I just tell you, we could have used more servants this morning. We could have used more servants last Sunday when we cleaned up. We could have used more servants with our life groups this month. Serve now. You're called. You're chosen. And guess what? You're graced. Not because of who you are or anything that you've done, but because God loves you. He called you. He's poured His love into you. God loves you. Now, I'll just refresh what we talked about last week. Jesus is the way, right? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. His word is the lamp, right? To our path, light to our feet. I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. How do we do this? How do we do this life? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. I want our faith statement to be, I believe God saved me because he loves me. I believe God created me with design. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. I would love, love an opportunity to talk more in depth about calling and discerning your calling. And Rebecca and I both would love to do that. Unfortunately, I've seen far too many believers live their whole life based on something that a friend said who might have been immature, might have not had God's perspective. The Bible makes it pretty clear why Rebecca and I are here for you. We love you. We want to serve you. And we can help you with discerning these issues and taking next steps. And some of the issues are simple and some of them are complex. And it would be natural for you to have questions this morning for this not to be a fully satisfying time. That would be natural. Let's talk about it. But God loves you. He doesn't want you confused. doesn't want you frustrated. But He has called you to live a specific life. Set you apart for this life. It's time for a simple submission. Accepting the things that God's not changed, possibly. And focusing on the one thing that He wants us to change. Spending time really dealing with our perspective about our personal calling. Spending time asking questions, identifying what it is we don't understand, and then seeking the answers in God. Let's pray. God, I thank you so very much that you love us. I thank you so very much for your word. I thank you so very much for the example of Christ, a servant leader who spent time alone seeking the Father. I thank you so much for Jesus' example of memorizing and quoting Scripture, living life on purpose. And despite the circumstances and the swirling voices of people around Him choosing to live on purpose the way that the Father called Him. We thank you for that example. We thank you for Paul's words and a reminder that we're saved, we're called, and that we're graced. Lord, today we take confidence in believing that you saved us because you loved us. In believing that you created us with design. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are, that you have a plan for each of us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Grace and peace to you. Please enjoy something to eat, something to drink. Have a great week.